0: I want to start today by just saying a special welcome to everybody at all of our other campuses, those of you in Delton, those of you in Middleville. Glad that you guys are uh, with us today. I have to tell you something. Um, I love what God is doing here at TVC. I-, I love being a part of it. I love I love what God is doing. And one of the things I, I love the most, honestly, about this church is you guys. Um, I love the the volunteers. I love what you guys do. Uh, in fact, this past week, uh, weekend, uh, throughout the week and-, and even into the weekend, we've had Multiple of you go out to our newest location that we're building at, our Delton location, and be a part of that and just put time and energy into getting that building going, which I just want to say to all those of you who have been a part of that, thank you, thank you, thank you for volunteering and giving time. In fact, would we just thank all the volunteers who have been a part of that, all of our campuses. Uh, A special thank you to uh, Barry Mitchell, who this past week let me run the Bobcat out there. Uh, I was not very good at it, but I dug a hole, or actually probably a half a hole. And then he said, get out of there. You're done. You're not fast enough. So uh, I love what God is doing. Uh, So this weekend, uh, we're several weeks into a series, a summer series that we've been in. uh, Now for several weeks, we're talking, it's called Stranger Things. And we're, uh, if you're new or joining us, maybe for the first time you haven't been a part of this series, uh, we're talking about how to live different. How how do you, as a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, if you've really sacrificed and said, okay, I want to go after God, how, how do you live different than the world? How do we live right side up in what really is an upside down world? And we know that this is true, that that God calls us as followers of Jesus to to really be different in our lives, to be different in how you act, be different in what you do on a regular basis. And at times as Christians, we have to choose to live in a way that would seem weird to the world. As a follower of Jesus, there's going to be times in your life, probably a lot of times in your life, where you're going to have to live different than what the world says. You're going to have to go against the flow of culture because of how God desires for us to live our lives. So each week in this series, we've been looking at kind of two different things, and and we're asking you to choose which one are you going to live by. And there's one way that maybe even seems right because it seems right to the world, but there's another way that God asks us to live our lives to be different and to choose that one, to really be upside down to the world. Uh, The weeks that I've been speaking, we've been looking at the book of 1 Peter and Peter, if you, if you know uh, his writings, he was very direct. You know, he told us in the very beginning of, of 1 Peter, he said that this world is actually not your home. That The one thing we have to understand is that sometimes we go through things in our lives, sometimes we go through trials in our lives, and we go, God, why, why are you doing this, or why is, why is life so hard? And we have to understand that actually we're foreigners. There's more than just this life, this world. And he tells us that we're called to be set apart, to be different. And, and today I want to give you what I would describe as the most encouraging message that you did not want to hear. Okay, how's that sound for being encouraging today, right? I want to give you what I would call today the most encouraging message that you did not want to hear. Jesus, he actually promised us a lot of different things in life. We'll get to some of those in a minute, but I want to show you what he didn't promise us. He he didn't say that you would always be happy in life. He, He didn't ever tell you that it would never rain on your vacation, right? He never said that you wouldn't get heartbroken by somebody who you loved and you you cherished and you thought you were going to marry and then they broke your heart. He didn't say any of that. He never said that your plumbing would never back up, right? Now, you know, if you've had that happen, that's not fun. I I had a rental house that I I had for a while. And when I got married, we moved to my wife's house, the place that she had, and we rented this place out and the the plumbing backed up on them. And now now it's bad enough to, to work on plumbing like when it's yours, right? but when it's somebody else's plumbing, I mean, and Jesus never said that those kinds of things that will never have trials in life. He never said that things will always be perfect in our lives. Jesus never promised us a lot of things, but what he did promise was this, that if you are a follower of Jesus, hear me on this, that if you are set apart if you're choosing to really, I'm not, I'm not talking about you just kind of say, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I kind of love Jesus, yeah, I think I'm in, I'm, I mean, I'm at church, I'm I'm joining us online, you know, I, I showed up this week. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying if you're really choosing to follow him, he promised you something. He said that the world actually will, will hate us. Jesus, he promised us that the world would actually persecute us. So today, the, the kind of the contrast I'm going to look at is is this idea of persecution, verse comfort. Uh, Persecution, verse comfort. Now, I want to look at the words of Jesus. We'll get to the words of of Peter in just a moment, but I want you to look at what Jesus said in the book of John, where where he said this, if the world hates you, he says this, remember that it actually hated me first. Jesus said that if the world actually hates you, you have to remember something, that, that it actually hated me first. Today, I'm going to talk about something that I think will go against every fiber in your body. Those of you listening in Middleville and Delton, this thing is going to go completely against every fiber in your body. Many of you, myself included, come on. We live our lives, would you agree, for comfort. I mean, if you're like, nah, I don't like comfort— I think you're a liar because I think all of us, we live our lives. When you think about it, we, we have so many different things. There's so many things in life that we do living our lives for this thing of being comfortable. In fact, uh, this past week, I was looking on the Internet and some of the, the things that I saw that I'm like, really? Like that's an invention to make us comfortable. Uh, here's, here's one. This is something that I don't know if any of you are like a neat freak like me and you don't want your, your like the coffee to drip on the counter. But this actually catches it. Like this is a real coffee mug. I don't have it, but I want it because it's like you don't have to clean up the spill, right? Or here's another one. Like you're really lazy in the morning. You want comfort. This thing just makes your own coffee when your alarm goes off, right? Or here's one. Like how many of you want to avoid people in the airport? You want to be comfortable. I mean, I've never tried one of these before, but it looks good. I mean, they even make things to make dogs comfortable, right? Some of you are like, I'm getting one of those, Right? I mean, I mean they, they make all different kinds of things. This is actually a hoodie pillow. You realize that? Like, it blows up into a pillow in your hood so you can take a nice nap. Like, we're all about comfort in life, right? Or some of you want your food to be cooled down a little bit. You can get one of these. We're actually selling them at the bookstore for 9 nine. Just kidding. We're not really selling them. I mean, how many of you want to fall asleep at work? Sometimes you feel like you're having a hard time doing it. And it's like, you can get one of these. But you know that this is true, that you and I, we live our lives sometimes for comfort. We, we, we have inventions that give us comfort. We try to be as comfortable as we possibly can be. And, and yet, what if? Just what if? What if God wasn't always calling us to be comfortable? What if he was actually calling us to persecution at times in our life? Now, if you missed a few weeks ago, I want to give you some background in the context of the book of First Peter. Now, Peter was writing to first century Gentile Christians during... An extreme persecution, uh, extreme time of persecution for these people. And Nero was the empire at that time. And uh, Nero was like this crazy, horrible, horrible, mean leader. Uh, Actually, Nero uh, murdered his own mother, okay? Now, some of you might have thought about doing that when you were a kid, but hopefully you didn't actually do it. Nero did this. Nero actually murdered his first wife, okay? I'm not going to ask you how many of you have thought about ever doing that before, but hopefully none of you. But literally, he killed his first wife, and he actually killed his second wife, this guy, this Nero, this, this, this empire, he had such a lust to build, and the Senate wouldn't allow him to build, and so he actually set fire to the city of Rome because he wanted to rebuild it. And eventually what he did is he blamed it on Christians. And these Christians, this group of people, the Christ ones is what they called them, became extremely persecuted because of this. Now, when I speak to you today on persecution, maybe a better word for us would be the word uncomfortable instead of persecution. That we aren't going through what these people necessarily did. But what if God wants you at times to do things or to feel uncomfortable in your life? Peter said this to these people who are going through this. He actually says, dear friends, don't be surprised, he says, at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. He says to these believers being persecuted, he's telling those people who are hurting, hey, I don't want you to be shocked When you have opposition, when things are uncomfortable in your life, he says, Don't be shocked by that. Let me just say this to all of you. When you're living boldly for Jesus, if you are truly set apart, if you're different than the world, don't be shocked if you're criticized for that. Don't be shocked if you're ridiculed for your faith, if you face opposition based upon you living your life for Christ. Now, watch this. Some of you are saying this Joe, I'm a Christian. But I really can't think of a time when I faced opposition for my faith. And so let's talk about that for a moment. Maybe some of you are here today, maybe some of you listening online, and you would say, Joel, I've never really faced opposition for my faith. Why, why is that? Well, let me give it to you like this. If you and I were playing in a basketball game on different teams, right? And, and let's say that I knew that you were a really good basketball player, like you were really gifted. And so we show up to the game and, and you show up and we're on opposite teams and we're playing against each other. And if I see you as the game starts, I see you're not even warming up for the game. You're actually sitting on the bench. In fact, you've got a bottle and you're playing like the bottle flip game, right? And you're just kind of hanging out and you're not really interested. When the game's going on, you're kind of off. You're texting on your phone. You're doing different things. Am I worried about you? Like, am I actually thinking about you? Like, I wonder if they get in the game and I'm going to be nervous. I don't know what we're going to do. No, I don't care about you. Now, on the other hand, if you're warming up and you're like dunking the ball, if you're in the game and you're, you're just, you're killing it, you're doing everything that you need to know how, how to do. I mean, it's like you are the stud of the team. Am I worried about you then? Of course I'm worried about you, right? And in fact, I would say this. I'm going to do everything that I can to stop you. Folks, it's the same with spiritual things. See, if you're on team Jesus, right, but yet you're just on the bench. In other words, you got the jersey, right? Like, like I asked him into my life, like that's cool and everything. But the reality is you never get in the game. I mean, you come to church once in a while because you have to, right? Like that's what we do. We got to show up to the game. It's like, I got to be there. I guess I'll go. But you aren't engaged. You aren't praying for people on a regular basis. You aren't using the gifts that God has actually given you. See, you could make a difference. But you're like, I'm good. I'm good. In fact, the coach actually says, hey, we need you. Like, we need you in the game. Come on, get in the game. We'd we love to have you. Like, check in. We, we need you right now. I mean, our guys are dying over there. They really need you. But you're like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Just let that kid play, right? In other words, we don't give generously. You go to a store, and we're a Christian, right? And a waitress or a waiter's taking care of you. And You don't tip them or you give just a little bit. You are not asking God on a regular basis, God, how do you want to use me? Like, God, what does it look like? Like, like with the gifts that you've given me, God, what is it that you want to do in my life to influence other people, to make a difference in this world? Again, you're a Christian, but you don't talk about them to your friends. People don't even know you're a Christian. Honestly, you don't invite people to church. Let me tell you something. I'm, not, I'm really not trying to hurt your feelings. But do you realize if that's you, the enemy takes no notice of you? Do you realize that if you're not really in the game, the enemy takes no notice of you? But the moment that you step on the court, your spiritual enemy will notice you and you'll begin to face opposition. It's the most encouraging message, trust me, that you did not want to hear this weekend. Imagine a warrior, a soldier, enlisted in battle, and he goes out on the front lines and he comes running back, yelling, they're shooting at me. Like, I didn't know this would happen in war. Like, what, what's going on, right? And of course, the commander would say, we're at war, dude. Like, what do you, what'd you think was going to happen? See, when we're engaged in the battle, we'll face opposition. And if you aren't facing any opposition ever in your life, maybe, just maybe, maybe you're sitting on the bench. Maybe you're not doing the things that God has asked you to do in your life. Again, you got the jersey. That's good. But are you using the gifts that God has placed in your life and using them? You're not on the front lines that God wants you to be. And that's why Peter said, hey, guys, guys, don't be surprised. By the fiery trials that you're facing now, you've got to understand, it's very likely like he was being literal by this, right? Because you know if you were here, the first week I talked about Peter, uh, this guy, this guy Nero, was so just nasty in who he was. He would take Christians, he would dip them in hot wax, he would tie them to a tree, and he would light them on fire. This is the kind of stuff that he was doing to these people. And Peter says, hey guys, I don't want you to be shocked by these things that are happening to you in your life. Maybe if Peter was writing these days, he might say something like this to the freshman girl in high school or the freshman girl at college or boy. You don't be shocked if you don't get asked out on a second date because of your stance on purity. Don't be shocked by that. Don't be surprised if you're made fun of for turning down a chance to play on that team because you actually say, well, I, sorry, I'm going to actually go to church on the weekend and so I'm just not able to join that travel team. Don't be shocked If you're a business owner and you're ridiculed over your business decision because you care more about your integrity than making a little bit more money. He might say, don't be surprised when they ridicule you for choosing persecution over comfort. Why? Because you're actually in the game. You're on the front lines. You're making a difference in a very dark world. And Peter, he goes on, he says this, he says, Instead, he says, be very glad for for these trials. He says, they they make you get this a partner with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Is that different or what? He says, I want you to be glad. In fact, I want you to be thankful that you're persecuted. Why? Because he says, you're actually a partner with Christ. You're in the game. So let me just ask, why is it that what I'm saying to many of us this weekend, including me, to be honest, it's foreign. It's like we would say things like, Joel, I don't, I don't really like to get uncomfortable in my life. My life is really, really good. Like, I like what I have. I like my comfortable car. I like my comfortable house. I like my comfortable chair. In fact, it's a little hot right now in the auditorium, so can we turn down, you know, to get the A.C. on a little bit? I mean, we like everything so comfortable. And my answer is this. Because we live in a world that pushes us to say that comfort is the number one thing that we need. And as Christians, I wonder if we're missing it sometimes. That culture is so convincing to you and I that the most important thing for you to go after. If you're going to do something, it should make you comfortable in life. And I'm going to be honest with you about me. I'd honestly rather have a comfortable conversation with you than confrontation. I don't even want to preach this message. I, I, I don't. I would rather have a nice day than one that's full of pain, if I can be honest. Comfort is something that we pursue at all costs. Think about it even in the name of Jesus. I mean, think about your prayers in the last week. Think about every pray, prayer that you've ever had in the past week. Like, God, help me have a good day. God, bless us and keep us safe. Don't let anything bad happen to me. God, watch over us. I mean, we even bless our food, right? Protect my kids, protect us. In other words, God, keep me comfortable in life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for those things. But when's the last time you prayed that God would just wreck you? When is the last time that you prayed that God would make you a little bit uncomfortable if it meant serving him better in life? And essentially what we want is let's avoid conflict at all costs. Let's dodge opposition. Let's take the road of least resistance. You know how that plays out, right? So eventually you're at a party and you've made a stance on you're not going to drink, right? And eventually you're at a party and everybody else is drinking. They're like, well, why don't you get drunk? Why aren't you, you know, doing what everybody else is doing? And it leads you to go, I guess I'll just do it. I guess I'll just fall into it. I guess I might as well. I don't want to look like the odd one out. I don't want to upset anybody. Or with a friend. Maybe you're with a friend and all of a sudden they begin, come on, to tell a racist joke. <laughs> and Instead of actually speaking up and saying, you know, that's not appropriate. We just slide and slide. I got to tell you right now, my wife and I, we adopted, many of you know, two African-American boys. I'm so much more aware of racism these days in my own life. I'm so much more aware of it. I'm so much more aware and those people who think it does not exist, there's no way it doesn't exist, I would just say that. That's ignorance in our lives because it exists on a regular basis. But instead of speaking up, instead of saying something about it, we just want to kind of sweep it under the rug because we don't want to be uncomfortable in life. In fact, the fact that I just said some of that to some of you makes you very uncomfortable in your life. Somebody asks you if you're a follower of Jesus we say yes, but of course we wouldn't lead with it. We wouldn't tell people. And what we're doing a lot of times in our lives, if we can be honest, what I'm doing a lot of times in my life, if I can just be honest, is we're seeking comfort. In fact, let me just show you a couple of cycles that I think you and I, we go through in our lives. And I want you to think about which one represents your life this past week. So the first one would look something like this. For me, a lot of times I pursue comfort in life. And what happens when we're continually pursuing comfort in our lives, what we do is we begin to avoid all different kinds of opposition in our lives. In other words, if all of a sudden someone says something to me that's a little hard, I begin to just kind of go, well, I don't want to deal with that one over there. I don't want to deal with that circumstance. I don't want to, I don't want to really deal with the, the, the fighting that just happened in my marriage. I don't want to deal with my kids who are driving me nuts. I'd rather just leave it all alone and we avoid opposition. And what begins to happen, I think, when we're avoiding opposition is our faith begins to weaken. And then what do we do when our faith begins to weaken? It makes our life empty, actually, in life. And then what do we do because our life is empty is we begin to pursue more comfort in life because we think comfort is gonna fill this void of emptiness in our life. And for many of us, me included, oftentimes this is how I live my weeks is I'm pursuing comfort, I'm pursuing comfort, I'm avoiding opposition at all costs. What happens is my faith begins to weaken, I feel empty in life. And so I think getting the latest, the greatest, this thing or that thing is going pursue comfort. It's going to make me feel better in life. Or the opposite scale would be this. When you live boldly, what happens is you actually will begin to face opposition in your life. When you stand up for what you believe, you will begin to face opposition in your life. But what happens when you do that, get this, is your faith begins to strengthen all of a sudden, I begin like, to feel like God is with me. My faith is strengthened. And then it leads to a place where I'm actually closer to Christ, which leads me to another place of saying, I can live boldly for Christ. It doesn't matter because I am pursuing God in my life. So, so the question for all of us is this, is which of these two charts are we living by? When you look at this past week, what does it look like for you? Were you pursuing comfort in your life? Or were you choosing to live boldly in your life? which cycle are you part of right now again i think it's one of the most encouraging messages that of course we didn't want to hear see when you're different from the world they don't won't always like you when you're different from the world you're going to face opposition in your life but that also draws you closer to christ first peter chapter 4 verse 19 he says this so if you're suffering in a manner that pleases god he says this keep on doing what is right In other words, when you're suffering for God, get this, it's actually right. He says, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never, never fail you. Keep on doing what is right. Let me just tell you a principle that I've personally tried to live by in my life. And I got to be honest with you, I don't always get this right. Fail often. But before I tell you this principle, uh, I want to give you a story to illustrate it when actually did get it right one time. And it's one of those things where I just go, man, I got to keep on living this way. So um, several years ago, I was coaching a, a soccer team. And all, uh, it was during spring break that all the girls were leaving, going away on spring break, and then they were going to come back. And so while they were gone, one of the things that all of them had to do is they had to complete a workout. They had to, the certain workouts that they had to do every single day. And one of the rules was, and we said this beforehand, all the girls knew is, hey, you complete the workout, not only complete it, but you need to bring back this sheet showing that you completed it on the first day that we're back, which was a Monday. And that Monday just happened to be our very first game. So literally, we came back from spring break, had a game right away. And so one of the things we, I told the girls, I said, hey, if you don't do the workout or you don't turn in your sheet, then you're, you'll miss your first rotation in the game. Like, you're going to sit out. And so the girls came back, and every one of the girls, except for one, uh, turned in their sheet. And this girl had done the workout. She had them, but she just didn't have it with her. She forgot it for the game. And this happened to be my starting goalie. Now, if you know soccer— Okay, um, a forward, for example, in soccer, I could sit them out and put somebody in their place and it would work out okay, it's not a big deal. A goalie, first off, nobody else on the team wants to play goalie, okay? So you can't really sub them out. I mean, nobody else wants to be in that position. And secondly, it's like the most vulnerable position that it's like, I'm thinking to myself, if I don't start this girl, we could be in trouble. This is an important game. And I remember like having this battle in my head of like, okay, what do I do? Because here's the rule, but I really wanna break it. And not only do I want to break it, I think every kid on the team wants me to break it because all of them are like, don't you dare choose me to go on that goal because I'm not doing it, right? And I got to tell you, there's times in our lives where we face opposition. There's times in our life where we have these choices. And the principle is this, in every area of your life, in your family, in your finances, in your relationships, in work, in school, the principle is really simple as this. Do what is right and trust God with the results. Do what is right, and you trust God with the results. See, for many of us, we look at the results part before we do what is right. Come on. We're thinking about the results and what it's going to lead to. So in that moment, I'm thinking about we could lose the game because of this. Now, some of you don't care about athletics. You're like, what's the big deal? But for somebody who does, that is a big deal. For the girls playing, it is a big deal. But the, the, the conflict is this, is will you actually choose to do what is right and actually trust God with the results? Or do we try to just kind of weasel our way in and make the choice ourselves? This is going to speak to somebody that what you do, how you live, doing the right thing, and trusting God with the results afterwards. So that means that if you have to have a hard conversation, you do what is right, and you trust God with the results. If you have to confess to somebody, You do what is right, and you trust God with the results. If you have to say no, and you do what is right, and you trust God with the results. See, if you're like me, or if you're like, I should say, the world, the world will love you, and all of a sudden persecution will not come in your life. But when we choose to say, I'm just going to do what is right, at times it's going to make me uncomfortable, all of a sudden what Jesus begins to say is you aren't actually like the world. And in fact, he would say this, that you raise your kids differently and people are going to look at you like, why are you doing that? You're going to do things differently. You spend your money differently and people are going to make fun of you for it and say, why wouldn't you spend it this way, right? You're going to have different morals and people will make fun of you. You'll make different business decisions and people will look at you like you're crazy. And in all of these things, the world won't understand They won't get why you're choosing to do it the way that you're choosing to do. But he just says this, I want you to trust Jesus with the results. See, here's what we have to remember. Persecution never weakens your faith. It causes the roots to grow and it actually deepens your faith with God. In fact, I'm going to say something that's maybe very unpopular, but I actually think in the USA these days, I think it's actually easy to claim that you're a Christian. And actually, we don't have any roots based on that. I think in our world, it's sometimes easy to say, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, I'm going after God. But the question is, are there any roots that are really evidence of that faith that you have? And Peter, as he wraps this up, he begins to speak to these hurting people. And this is what he says. He says this, and all of you, he says, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, get this, he will lift you up in honor. And then I love what he says. He says, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares for you. And he cares for me. Another version says it this way, that you're to cast your cares on him. Literally, the term means like a fisherman would cast his net. Like why? Because he says he cares about you. Some of you, the only thing you need to hear this weekend is that God cares about you. He cares so much. He cares so deeply for you as you're like, oh, no, not, not, not me. Like, like maybe you or maybe this person sitting next to me. No, 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 no. He cares for you. Maybe another thing that we need to hear this weekend is this, is God cares about every single person, including the person that you can't stand in life. Get this, he cares about that person just as much as he cares about you. Some of you are going, there's no way. There is a way. That God cares about everybody. And he says, because of that, you can cast your cares on God. See, if we're living different, if we're being bold for Christ, you may face spiritual opposition. You probably won't have happened what happened to these guys. You're probably not going to get set on fire, but at times you're going to be uncomfortable in your life if you're really going after God. And what that does is it allows God to build your faith. And those issues that you're facing, he says, you could take all those things and you could cast them on me. Finally, Peter finishes this letter by saying this. He says, so after you've suffered a little while, he says, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you, he says, on a firm foundation. In other words, good is coming. In other words, the the trial, the persecution that you're in these days, he says it's not the end result. He will restore you. He says he will actually lift you up. See, just because you're suffering doesn't mean that God is not near. In fact, I would argue that he's actually closer to you because you're actually in the game, because you're a part of the team, because you're not just a part of it, but you're engaged and you're there on a regular basis let me just end by asking you a question, something that you have to answer yourself. I can't do it for you, but I would encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I recognize there's some of you here, some of you in Dalton, Middleville, maybe online, and you would say, I'm not sure if I've bought into the whole God thing, but those of you who would say, I am a follower of Jesus, I'm giving my life to him, I'm going after him, I wanna pursue him. The question is this, are you in the game? Are you making a difference? Are you, are you a threat? Are you using the gifts that God has actually given you in your life? Are are you serving and being a resource? Are you you doing the things that God has called you to do? And if you are, maybe for some of you, it's going to lead to some conflict in your life. And know that in the midst of that conflict, you can take those cares, those, those worries, all those things that you're facing in life, and he says, and you can cast them on him. Now, for some of you, you might say, Joe, I don't think I'm in the game. The good news is the coach is calling. The good news is the coach is saying, I want you in the game. The good news is he's asking you to do more than just put on the jersey. He's asking you to be a threat. He's asking you to make a difference. He's saying that we need you. So what does that look like for you? What do you need to do that you know is right? What decision do you need to make this week? And because you struggled to trust in him, because it could actually cost you in your life, Maybe for some of you, young people, it means taking a stance on your purity in life. Maybe some behavior in your life actually needs to begin to change. Maybe for some of you who own a business, it's a business decision that you know you've been kind of trying to just cut the corners a little bit and God is speaking to you saying, yeah, you're not going to get all the business that maybe you want, but would you trust me? Would you do what is right? And trust me with the results? Maybe for some of you who call this your church home, Maybe you aren't using the gifts that God has given you to serve. And God's saying, would you get in the game? Would you be a part of it? Maybe for some of you, God's speaking to you about your money. Saying you're not very generous. You hold tight to everything that you have. You know another way I would encourage every one of you who call TVC, your church family, Delton, Middleville, Online, those of you here in Hastings. I would encourage you to get in the game when it comes to our Delton community in the new delton building do you understand i want want to tell you something that speaks to me so personally in my own life eight plus years ago i remember a huge moment in our church because i was the campus pastor for tbc middleville and i remember meeting if you know the history of it that they're meeting in Caledonia. And, and as we began to kind of move this process of, of moving down to the Middleville area, I got to kind of come in on the tail end of it and, and experience kind of a, a blessing, honestly, because a lot of people, they set up and they tore down week after week and they did so much work. And I remember as we were entering in, thinking about, you know, TVC Middleville and here it is, and we're going to have this opening weekend. We, we were averaging the week before we moved in about a hundred people on the weekend. And that first week, I'll never forget this Over 200 people showed up in that building. And I remember just going, man, this is awesome, God. You are so great, God. I'm I'm so thrilled that you would show up like this. And then, honestly, the lack of faith in me said, next week will be normal. People will go back to normal. Like, this isn't real. But God had a different plan. And the next week, 220. And the next week, 240, 250. And it kept growing and growing. And I kept saying every week, well, maybe next week it'll die. Like, I really didn't know. I'm like, there's no way that, like, this is legit. Like, literally, how is this happening? And at times at that campus, many of you there now, you've experienced this. We've had hundreds of lives being changed because of that campus. At times, just God just pouring in. I mean, so many good things happening there because we took a leap. In fact, this past week, I got an email from a a guy who attends our Middleville campus has been coming not very long, but just was, he wanted to share with me. Honestly, he didn't even know I was going to preach this this weekend. He just said, I want to share with you something. He said this. He says, I'm not certain that I can put into words or perspective the value that TVC has added to my life. But he says, I can tell you it's been drastic. He says, like all of us, he says, I'm still broken but I work hard to do things for others. I try to support my church. And he goes on to just tell us, tell me how much God has worked in his life because of TVC Middleville. And yes, I'm a crybaby right now, but that's why I love being a part of this church, because lives being changed forever. That's why I love being a part of it. See, you see, the church is not just a building, but as we know, buildings do matter. They, they make a difference. They help us meet our mission of connecting people with God. In fact, if we have buildings and we're not connecting people with God, I think we're failing. It's not about a building. It's about using what God has given us to connect people with God, like that story. And we continue to do that on a regular basis. And I feel God is continuing to tell us to continue to move to other uh, communities and go to other places and do different things. And Delton is one of those. So for two years now, our Delton community, those of you watching, I know you understand this, you've been in a school and as you know, the process—we're in the middle of it, of building a building there. I mean, it's really exciting, and we know it's not about just a building. We know it's not just about you know these these pole barn style poles going up. We know it's not about that. We know it's about lives forever being changed, lives connected with God, unchurched people being saved, and I can't wait. I can't wait for what God's going to continue to do. And as you know, many of you, the process has already begun. And one of the things I get to do here at the church is I get to oversee our finances. And one of the things I'm so grateful for the leadership as I've come into this in the past few years is that as a church, we have zero debt. As a church, we have no debt. No debt in Middleville, no debt here in Hastings, no de- debt in Delton. Some you are like, no duh, we, we're in a school. We know we don't have debt, right? We have no debt whatsoever. And we will continue to have zero debt through this project. In fact, when we tell people that we're doing this project for about $400,000, we're building a church for about $400,000, people don't believe it. They're like, it's gotta be a multi-million dollar project. We're like, no, no, it doesn't. Again, we don't need to be fancy, but we just need to connect more people with God. But the reality is, even though we're doing this, we, continue to, we need to continue to raise more money to complete this project. And you know, we don't do this often as a church. But I'm asking those of you, church family, no one visiting, I'm asking those of you who are part of a church family, would you pray and ask God what you could possibly do? In fact, this week, I believe this was something placed on my heart by God as far as the, the, the commitment that I'm looking. My goal, and you might go, this isn't actually that much money, it really isn't, but my goal is that I want to raise this weekend $50,000 for that, which I think will get us to a place where we'll have cash for every single thing we need to do. Now, I know some of you are going, 50000 well, how does that work? Like, I, I'm poor, Joel, I can't give $50,000. Here, here's what I believe. If 1,000 people gave $50, we could come up with that right there. In other words, some of you, you, when you think about raising money for something, and again, we don't do this often, but when you think about raising money for something, you think it's this massive number, massive number. But what if if a thousand of us, which easily we'll have this weekend, chose to say, I'll give $50. I can tell you right now, I'm on board, that I believe that we can do this if people want to do it. And so maybe some of you would say, "I, I can't give that. Maybe God's speaking to you to say, give $25. Maybe it's $10. Maybe some of you are going, $50 is really easy. And you could actually give $50 for every person in your family. Again, I'm asking you not how much. I'm asking you to pray about what is God calling you to do. Consider this week. In fact, we're going to do this this weekend. After that, we will not ask again. I'm just asking you to pray about it and say, could I do this? Could I be a part of it? What would it look like for me? So in just a minute, we're going to do something again. Like I said, we don't typically do this, but we're going to receive at all of our campuses a second offering. Let me just be clear on something. Those of you who would say, I'm a little put off by this. There is zero pressure whatsoever to give. I'm asking all of you, if you're a part of our church family, to simply pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? And if you feel like God is saying nothing, then make it be nothing. That's okay. But pray and ask God to work. And I believe through this that God can do incredible things. Imagine being a part of something where lives will be changed, like the guy I just shared. How amazing. So if you want to be a part of this, a couple things you can do, all of our campuses. In a moment, we're going to receive an offering, all of our campuses, and you can be a part of it there. You can give online if you'd like. There's a spot that just says it's for building, and you can choose to do it there if you want. We also have a a texting option available, and so you can actually, uh, there it is, you can actually text uh, the number that you want to give. So if you're going to give $50, you can just text 50, and then the word building to this number. We'll keep that up on the screen for a while, all of our campuses. And that will actually prompt you if you're not set up for online giving to do it that way. You can be a part of it. You can go out to our giving kiosk at Middleville here at Hastings. We have one of those. You can give that way. Or in just a moment, we're going to receive an offering and you can give that way. So I'm going to, all of our campuses, I'm going to invite the ushers right now to come forward. And I'm just encouraging you as a church family to pray about it. Okay? Ask God what it is that he wants you to do. And if that's nothing, it's nothing. And again, we're gonna do this this weekend, that's it. But how amazing if as a church family, we could raise this money to make a difference and connect more people in our Delton community. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll give. And then as the bands lead us in this next song, I want you just to not necessarily sing along, but to allow these words to encourage you in your life. Let's go to him. Father, we thank you, God, that you are moving at our Middleville campus. God, we thank you that you're moving in Delton. We thank you, God, thank you, God, that you're moving here in Hastings. So God, I know and I understand right now that the things that I'm talking about, it, it can get a little tricky with, with money, but God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every person and God, that they would just follow whatever lead that is for you. And God, I am I am honored that I get to be a part of a church that week after week, we get to watch more lives being changed that week after week we get to see lives like the person I read about earlier who seems so broken and lost, and yet because of a silly building in another campus, their life is forever changed. So God, as we listen to these words, allow them to speak to us about sometimes in our lives we have to be uncomfortable, sometimes in our lives you're calling us to something different and help us to respond to your voice, whatever that is. We ask all these things in your precious son's name,